Hey now, welcome to Random Movie Club. I'm your host, Rob Logan. In each episode, I sit down with a co-host to discuss any movie of their choosing. The only qualification is that the movie is available to watch at home on DVD, Blu-ray, or digital. Before you listen to this show, I highly recommend that you watch the movie we're going to talk about, because we're going to spoil everything. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which movie we're going to discuss next so you have enough time to watch it. If you enjoy Random Movie Club, you can help keep it going by supporting us on Patreon. Supporters get special benefits like bonus episodes, patron-only events, giveaways, and more. Show your support for Random Movie Club and the Geek Generation by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com support. On this episode, I'll be discussing Memento with Mop Garden. Let's roll the film. Memento was released in 2000 from director Christopher Nolan. Written by both Nolan and his brother Jonathan Nolan, the film stars Guy Pearce, Carrie Ann Moss, and Joe Pantoliano. So, Mop, why did you choose this movie? Um, I thought Memento was a really interesting topic because um, it's just such an interesting movie. Like, I don't think there's really any other movies, at least that I'm aware of, that are similar to this in terms of like jumping around so much, maybe Inception, but... Which is also a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah, yeah, which I actually didn't know. And so I just thought it was, yeah, an interesting topic, really. Yeah, this is, I'm glad you chose this movie because this is probably in my top 10 favorite movies. Like, I love this movie. I remember seeing this and this is what kind of sparked my interest in Christopher Nolan as a director. So when I heard that he was eventually going to do a Batman movie, I flipped out, like based on just this one alone. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I I remember watching this, I think just the end of it. Um, my mom had it up on just the satellite when I was in high school or something. And I couldn't remember what it was called for the longest time. And finally, I was over at a friend's place and she like had it on her TV. And I was like, I thought I dreamt of this movie. This movie is so cool. So I finally watched it like all the way through and was like, wow, this is such a work of art, really. Mm-hmm. Like it's so just fascinating. So and I've seen it, I don't know, I don't rewatch movies, like, ever. And it's just kept my interest. I've seen it probably ten times. Forgot the title of it, how appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, very forgetful. <laughs> uh, so as I always do, I go to IMDb and gather up all sorts of trivia, and there is a bunch of great stuff for this movie. So the medical condition experienced by Leonard in this film is a real condition called enterograde amnesia the inability to form new memories after damage to the hippocampus. During the 1950s, doctors treated some forms of epilepsy by removing parts of the temporal lobe, resulting in the same memory problems. Man, (laughs) I can't imagine. Imagine being inflicted with this when they're trying to solve another problem. Yeah, I am so glad science has come so far (laughs) that we don't need to, to do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I mean, what would you do? Like, I guess you would have to do what he does and just make notes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This film took only 25 days to shoot. That's crazy. It is an insane. Most movies take months. Yeah, yeah. The fact that they got it done that fast is Wow. Well, I, as I was watching it, I thought there's only really like a few different sets or like scenes. Like, you know, there's a hotel room, there's a house. Um the restaurant really i don't know what else yeah they don't jump around to a ton of different places it's yeah 
pretty well contained within just like a small town. Yep. Christopher Nolan's first choice for the role of Leonard was Alec Baldwin. Aaron Eckhart, Brad Pitt, Charlie Sheen, and Thomas Jane were also considered for the role of Leonard before Guy Pearce got the part. Hmm. I was reading something online and people were discussing how they thought he was a really good choice because he's kind of not really well known. Mm -hmm. That was a big part of it. Yeah, you can, um, you know, kind of, I guess, relate more or something Mm -hmm. instead of it being like a big Hollywood movie. It's more. Yeah, I like that decision. It was a combination of that and uh, what they had to pay him because he would work for cheaper than all the other named actors. And this was a very low budget movie. Was it? Yeah, considering the scope of some other ones, yeah, this yeah. is much lower budget. Hmm. I guess you can tell, you know, it doesn't look like there's too much that went into it, really. Hmm. But that's nice that you don't need, you know, you don't need all this crazy stuff to make a really good movie. It's true. Mm-hmm. Guy Pierce was originally 230 pounds before the movie was made and lost all of the weight within a few months. And I would like to know his secret. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Keto. <laughs> the potato diet. Yes. <laughs> I was, I actually saw it during one scene, you can see his ribs like so clearly. Yeah. I was like, oh man. Yeah, he's real thin in this. Yeah. Many of Leonard's unique voiceovers were improvised by Guy Pierce. Likewise, all of the dialogue in black and white sequences that feature Sammy was also improvised. Wow. So that wasn't scripted at all. They had like a basic outline of how the scene would kind of go and they just came up with their dialogue on the spot. That's crazy. That does not seem like real because <laughs> it seems to flow just so well. It also doesn't seem like Christopher Nolan's way of doing things, really. Yeah. He's usually a very rigid guy. Yeah, that's so true. Probably a nice project for him. Yeah. Stephen Tobolowski, who played Sammy, has stated that during his audition for Sammy, he had mentioned to Christopher Nolan that he had experienced amnesia personally. A few years earlier, he was given an experimental painkiller that induced amnesia for a surgery he had undergone. Tobolowski said it may have helped him get the part because no other actor would likely have his first-hand experience. Hmm, that's crazy. Although I wonder, is having amnesia experience? Because... Would you remember it? (laughs) Oh, that's such a good point. That's, yeah. I mean, I guess you would remember not being able to remember. Right, which is... Scary, but I think we all have that in some way. I mean, if you've ever had surgery of any kind and been put under anesthesia, that's kind of like a form of amnesia. Yeah. You don't remember being there, I guess. Mm. Yeah, very true. Because in the movie, he does um, remember that he doesn't remember. You Mm -hmm. know, he introduces himself and goes, you see, I have this condition. So, Yeah. yeah, interesting. Ashley Judd, Famke Jansen, and Angelina Jolie were considered for the role of Natalie. After being impressed by Carrie Ann Moss's performance as Trinity in The Matrix, producer Jennifer Todd suggested her for the part of Natalie. While Mary McCormick lobbied for the role, Christopher Nolan decided to cast Moss, saying she added an enormous amount to the role of Natalie that wasn't on the page. Hmm. Yeah, she was great. She was really good in this, yeah. yeah. In that scene where she really gets up in his face, I was like, whoa. Mm. <laughs> That and when she comes out of the car. Um, yeah. It's like, the Jimmy look on her face. Up. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, she del- the lines she delivers there are done so well. It's unbelievable. Yeah, for sure. The tattoo parlor in the movie is named after Emma Thomas, who is Christopher Nolan's wife and the movie's associate producer. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like when people do little things like that in yeah. films. Nice touches. Yeah. 
During Leonard's third and final conversation with the anonymous caller, his fingers hover over the numbers 555-0134. This is Teddy's phone number, which is on the bottom of his photograph, thus hinting that Leonard is actually talking to Teddy. Ah, because you never do find that out, do you? It's never explicitly said, but I feel like there's a lot of hinting in that direction. Yeah. Well, there is a scene where he he goes, meet me in the lobby, but then Teddy's down there. But then mm. he looks, Teddy looks really surprised mm. when he does come down. So I don't know what Teddy was actually doing there. And you got to wonder, is that part of Teddy's act? Because he knows the deal and ah, it's really, it's so all over true. the place. It's hard to interpret everything. After his wife's death, Sammy is shown sitting in a mental institution. Briefly, just after someone walks in front of him, and before the scene cuts back to Leonard on the phone, Sammy is actually replaced by Leonard sitting in the same chair. This supports the conclusion that the tragic end of Sammy's story is actually an event from Leonard's own past, just as Teddy later tries to convince him. Oh, it actually shows him sitting in the chair? Mm-hmm. There's a really quick flash uh, when Sammy's like looking at all the people walking by, kind of doing that look of recognition as right. Leonard talks about it. The scene, uh, a nurse walks right in front of the camera, and for a split second, it's actually Leonard sitting in the chair instead of Sammy. Oh, interesting. I've never noticed that. It's very quick. Yeah, wow. That's very cool. The picture of Leonard that he finds in the envelope under his motel door shows him pointing at a bare spot on his chest. He tells Natalie that this spot is reserved for when he finds John G. Later, when Leonard is driving to the tattoo parlor, a scene is shown in which he is lying in bed with his wife. The bare spot in this shot now contains, I've done it. I was a bit confused about that scene, actually. Mm. I never really, because the wife is dead, theoretically, right? Right. So why would he have all the tattoos, too? Yeah. Like, why would he have John G. raped and murdered my wife while his wife is lying on him? Yeah. There are theories. Are there? Okay. Yeah, we can I'm talk about it. I'm excited to discuss them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I noticed that yesterday, too, and I thought, interesting. It's one of the biggest scenes that's thrown people off in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Lastly, the narrative jumps 113 times from one time period in the story to another. The first scene of the movie is the end of the story, and the story begins in the middle of the movie when Leonard meets Sammy Jankis. Hmm. technically if it's totally chronological but you could say it starts in the hotel room the first black and white scene uh, yeah. and then he just tells the story about sammy right and i thought it was interesting in that scene they actually use reverse motion mm -hmm. in that opening scene yes um but they obviously didn't use that throughout the rest of the movie and i guess it's just cinematography but i was like i wonder if there's more to that or if it's just explaining that things are going to be crazy or what yeah i think a lot of it is setting up the fact it's kind of preparing us and leading us in like showing us the polaroid going backwards and then yeah. that whole scene going backwards that kind of getting us ready like okay there's going to be some backwards movement like we're going to move through the story backwards we're just kind of prepping you for that yeah the yep. interesting thing about that scene too is that all the sound is moving forward except for when teddy says Screams no right before he gets shot. That's backwards, but all the other sound is normal. Ah, interesting. I see. That's another thing I didn't notice. Yeah. Yeah. I did a lot of research. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> awesome. And it's one of those things that you pick up in your, you know, subconscious, but you yeah. don't like really think about. So, yeah. And it just like sets things uh, a little askew in your brain. Mm hmm. All right. So, talking about the movie itself, because there's a lot to go over. So, normally, 
uh, I would have bullet points that kind of go through the story and we would just walk through the narrative as it lays out in the movie. But this is such a weird and complex and strange movie to do that with. So I just kind of have bullet points for kind of different things. I have stuff by character. Uh, I have some notes by Christopher Nolan. And I should also say, when I normally do this show, I watch the movie twice. I watch it in just a sitting with no distractions. So I can just kind of analyze it and look at it without being like pulled away. And then I watch it a second time and I like write down all my bullet points. This time I watched it normally, but I also have, I have this DVD of Memento. I have the same DVD. I'm doing a physical thing <laughs> on a yeah. podcast and so nobody can see this. Uh, this is the case file, the DVD case. So this was a limited edition DVD release and it's super cool because it opens up and it's his psychiatric report on the front. It's such a cool design. It really is. Yeah. That's the thing I love about physical DVDs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the thing that's the coolest about it is on the second disc, you can unlock uh, through hidden means a chronological cut of the movie. Oh, I heard you could do that. I should yes. have done that. So I I did do that for the second one. And it was the first time I watched it in chronological order. Cool. And it is still a great movie. But it's nowhere near as gripping as the yeah. version that we're presenting. Well, with. it makes more sense, I'm sure, right? Mm -hmm. You're, it's not as much of a puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But it is interesting to watch that way. Yeah, wow. I, I should do that after we record this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there are some notes by Christopher Nolan. There's a video that I actually sent to you as well that has Christopher Nolan kind of talking about the plot as a whole and kind of giving some perspective on the movie, which I thought was really interesting. One of the things he said is that everything in the color scenes is subjective. Those are all mm -hmm. from Leonard's point of view. And we are in his head getting the information as he presents it to us. Yeah. On the other side, the black and white scenes are all objective, at least to begin with. And now we're in the role of an observer. So the black and white scenes towards the start of the movie, we can take as is and kind of say, okay, there's no interpretation being done here. But Leonard's color scenes, especially more towards the beginning, since they're being presented by him and he has the memory issues, we can't necessarily believe the information is 100% accurate. Yeah, it's unreliable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really cool, cool way to do it. He said he wanted it like a documentary style in the black and white. And then, yep. yeah, I think that was really neat. And I, as I was making notes on this movie, I was like, I know there's something to do with the black and white versus color, but I couldn't quite like put my finger on it so it's really interesting to read or to watch that video and uh see how he wanted it to be because it you know i was like okay so he's in a different area mm -hmm. and that but what does it why change the color so yeah that was neat to hear the uh, movie itself has a lot in common with uh film noir movies and one of the commonly used things in film noir is having the unreliable narrator which leonard absolutely is in this so even right. though the story is presented in a certain way, we're going to question a lot of the things throughout, which is kind of just one of the big parts of the movie as a whole, really. Mm -hmm. And I also like how, you know, you're questioning him, but you're also questioning everybody else. And especially because he says, don't believe Teddy's lies. You're like, mm -hmm. well, what is real and what is not? And then also Natalie also lying to him. So you're like, so can we just not trust anybody? I <laughs> You know, it's very off-putting. It does feel that way. Yeah. 
Uh, the color scenes and the black and white scenes, he does like a diagram that shows how they shift together uh, so that at a certain part of the movie, they match up. I love the uh, scene. I don't I don't love the scene where he kills Jimmy, but I love the <laughs> scene with Jimmy where uh, the black and white fades to the color to be like, OK, we've hit the end of that arc and now we're circling back around. Yeah. Really smart way to show it. Mm-hmm. I should rewatch that part. Should just rewatch the whole movie again. <laughs> it's worth so many rewatches. <laughs> it it's is. crazy. And it's it's like I said, every time I rewatch it, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. There's so much new stuff every time. Mm-hmm. The goal was to reach a point where what we end up with is still subjective, but with enough information, objective information, so that we start to question the point of view that we've been given throughout the film. Yeah. That's <laughs> and it really does. It really, really does. Cause you you know, and he's even, that's the, you know, the end of the movie. He purposely messes up something for him, even when he knows it's not true, just to, yeah, you know, so you're like, well, how can we trust anything you've written or any tattoos or anything because you're messing up things on purpose? Yeah, he's breaking his own system. So yeah. if his system doesn't work, but we've relied on his system for our judgment, then what does our judgment mean if his judgment is? And it's just like. Yeah. So you never know what, yeah, what is real and what's not. So I guess maybe the black and white is also to provide you those solid hints, like you said. Mm. But um, even that, because you you never figure out who he's talking to. No, so not, not explicitly, at least. Yeah, yeah. So even that is not like a real, <laughs> real factual thing. So. Yeah. So there are kind of three main characters in the movie. Uh, we get Leonard, we get Teddy, and we get Natalie. So if we break them down a little bit, and they're also, I mean, you could call Sammy a character kind of, and some of the other side characters, but those are like the three kind of tent poles of the movie. So like we said before, Leonard suffers from interrograde amnesia, and as a result, loses a short-term memory after a varying amount of time. It seems to be, at least it feels like the more stressed he is, the shorter that time period is before his memory starts to fade. If he's mm -hmm. like trying to hold on to it too much. Yeah. And that scene where she hides the pens and mm -hmm. he's freaking out and he loses it very quick. She's very good. I should say, uh, knowing when his memory is fading, even though even when she first meets him, like in the bar, I wonder how long she actually waited before giving him the beer. Yeah, I was thinking about that because sometimes his memories last a long time mm -hmm. and sometimes, you know, they drop like when he's mid running away from um i forget the guy's name but while he's running from the guy with the gun oh dodd yeah yeah he loses his memory right when he's running and then he kind of is like oh who's this guy <laughs> i love that scene yeah <laughs> yeah oh i'm chasing this guy oh wait no he's chasing he's me he's chasing me yep <laughs> yeah i can't imagine how the other thing too is like how is he allowed to have a license yeah because what happens if that happens while he's driving he goes where am i going yeah yeah. Or like so true. if if like how did he know he was driving and all of a sudden he's in a car with his foot on the gas? What does your body do in that situation? Yeah. I don't know. That would be interesting to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Just take his license away immediately. Yeah, yeah. You would think it would be kind of a jolt because there's yeah. something happening in your brain, you know, you would there would be some kind of disruption in what you're doing, you would think. Mhm. Mm yeah. Uh, the film itself was presented in the best possible way to show the events from Leonard's perspective. 
they play out in those scenes that take place between the memory losses in reverse order. So we don't we don't get to know the stuff that Leonard doesn't know at the time he's telling us about the current stuff. <laughs> My brain hurts. Because how do you how do you cinematically show that kind of amnesia? And this is like the only way. Yeah. And it really is immersive. Like it really does make you feel like I don't know what's what's happening, you mm. know? And does it when you watch it in chronological order, do you still feel that way? A little bit, but not nearly as much. Yeah. There are still mysteries, but mm-hmm. but it's nothing is like we don't get the the character turns that we do because the characters as we're introduced to them are the final version of that character. Whereas right. in the theatrical cut we see the version that they wanted to show leonard and then we see more about their backstory and their motivations for treating him the way that they're treating him Mm. yeah that's so true that's so true because i that scene where he drives up in the car that he has taken Mm -hmm. and natalie goes hey hey dad and then she looks in and, and you're like oh okay well what you know who who is this girl but like then you're like oh it's her and then you kind of realize why she's so mean to him yeah because he's in her boyfriend's car wearing her boyfriend's clothes (laughs) yeah Yeah, but at first you're like this girl's so lovely like taking care of him yeah and uh it's crazy to see that unravel so i feel like if you watch that in the right time it would be such a different experience oh absolutely it is yeah uh, one of the most satisfying things about the movie, too, though, because of the setup, the way it's doing is every every like color scene we get is a mini cliffhanger. And then when it goes to the next scene and it comes back around and it loops and connects, it's like, oh, that's the answer to that question. So every time we're like, here's a new question. Oh, but here's the answer to that last question. Here's a new question. And oh, it's just yeah. like those little moments of satisfying our curiosity over and over again that's such a good point yeah um i really like how they they kind of like show you the question that you had in the beginning again before they tell you the answer as well so Mm. it kind of if you know what i mean like how um the one scene ends with her or begins i guess with her um opening her car door Mm -hmm. natalie and then you're like, oh, okay, so she just got home and now she's coming in the house. Yeah. But then that one ends the next scene. I guess it's kind of reverse what I was just saying, but it, uh, you know, they always yeah, yeah. answer the question or reverse throughout the whole movie. They give us the new context. They alternate those little connecting snippets. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. a little bit of the repetition, the conditioning that reflects what Leonard does on a daily basis, like conditioning himself through repetition and stuff like that. Mm, So true. Yeah. Poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, During the black and white scenes, Leonard takes a phone call from a mystery person and basically explains his condition and his memory of Sammy Jenkins. Uh, I think we can safely assume that that's Teddy because I don't know who else it could possibly be. Yeah. What if it, hmm, I'm trying to think about any other possible characters. Because one, they would have to know about his condition. Two, they would have to care about his motives. And I feel yeah. like there's only two characters in the movie that care about his motives. And at that point, he didn't even know Natalie when the phone call started. Yeah. What is the purpose of Dodd? Like, what is, why does he first come in? So, yeah. So 
Dodd is Jimmy's friend, and Jimmy was bringing money to the warehouse. Or, yeah, Jimmy was bringing money to the warehouse to give to Teddy to pay him off, I think. And then Dodd knew about the monetary exchange. So when Jimmy disappears, Dodd blames Teddy. And now he's going after, I don't know if Teddy was going to pay Dodd. There's money going on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but what's... (laughs) There's money being exchanged, but basically Dodd wants the money. So he goes, he's going to go or is going... I don't even know if he's going to go after Natalie or she's probably assuming Dodd's going to go after her. And that's why she has Leonard go after him. Okay. Because Jimmy's disappeared. She doesn't know why, but if Teddy has the money and they want it back because of something that happened to Jimmy, then Dodd's right. like the, the middleman. Right, right. So she just knows something kind of sketchy is going on mm-hmm. and just wants to deal with it. Okay. And there's like $200,000 hanging in limbo, and Dodd and right. Teddy are the only other people in the equation. Right. So I was just thinking, what, what was the purpose of Dodd? Maybe he was on the phone, but that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and he wouldn't have known. <laughs> Actually, he did. Because he recognized Leonard when he goes next to the car, and I believe calls a memory man or something to that oh, extent. Like, yes. we know that Leonard has met Jimmy before because he has a moment of recognition when he mm-hmm. sees him, and he says Sammy to him right before he gets killed. He was like, well, why did he, what, how does he know about Sammy? Right. Because to Leonard, this is the first time he saw Jimmy. Huh. <laughs> My brain hurts. I know. <laughs> it's one of those movies. It is. It really is. Uh, So (laughs) Leonard uses the notes, the tattoos, the routine conditioning to function on a daily basis, believing that trusting his handwriting and the facts is the only way to keep things straight. And I found it interesting that there are like the tattoos change in appearance based on, I think, who's who the tattoo artist is and stuff like that. Sometimes he gives himself tattoos, which he Mm -hmm. usually does in his own like handwriting. But like all the notes he writes himself are always uppercase. And I only noticed two like lowercase things in the movie. One is when he writes down the note about Natalie that Teddy tells him to not and to it's trust very her. Obviously, not his writing, right? Right, and he's like, yeah. he writes it in lowercase. I think because he's like, oh, I'm not gonna keep that. I don't mm-hmm. want to. I don't want to think that that's actually true. But the other thing that's in lowercase, which I found interesting, was where it says "Remember Sammy Jenkins" on his hand. So was there oh. a subconscious thought there that like? Sammy Jenkins's story might not be in as true as I think it is. Right. Well, maybe he he did a lowercase to remember Sammy, but also I know that this was actually, you know, me, mm-hmm. and I want to remember my past or to kind of uh, instigate those memories a little bit. Yeah. I know there's just yeah. so much, so many little things. Like, I don't even know if that actually means anything. I'm just speculating. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was purposeful because- yeah. You know, you don't just write everything in a movie in all caps and then have that. And they also, now that you mention it, they zoom in on that a lot. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like, you know, rubs it a lot and stuff. So Yeah, he thinks it's like dirt or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I didn't notice that either. You're so observe, <laughs> obser- observational. <laughs> like he might not remember that he has that tattoo. So every time he sees it, he's like, oh, what is this? Is this a smudge on my hand? Then realizes yeah. that it's words. Yeah. Hmm. That's very interesting. Do you think that Sammy was real? Yes. Or do you? Yeah. I 
I kind of believe Teddy, mm-hmm. uh, most of what Teddy says. I think that uh, Leonard did meet Sammy at some point. Sammy was a con man. I don't know whether he had, whether the condition was uh, real or not for Sammy, but I believe that Leonard's wife was the one that got the insulin injections from Leonard, putting her into the comatose state. Oh, well, because he does go into uh, the hospital, right, Sammy? Mm -hmm. So how would he, unless he theoretically killed his wife beforehand, but... This is hard to know timeline wise what yeah, yeah. <laughs> what could be real there, but so you think Leonard did kill his wife? I do. Okay. Not on purpose, of course. Um, so to talk about Sammy Jenkins' story a little bit to kind of give this context. Uh Leonard explains at one point that he investigated Sammy Jenkins, who also suffered from interrograde amnesia. Unlike other cases, though, Sammy did not seem to learn from conditioning. Leonard concluded that Sammy's condition was psychological, not physical. In an attempt to snap out of it, Sammy's wife tested him by repeatedly asking for her insulin shots, and Sammy kept giving them, resulting in her slipping into a coma and never recovering. So I, I believe a lot of that behavior was actually Leonard's. I do think Sammy is a real person, but through conditioning and repetition, Leonard has convinced himself that all of those things were Sammy's life and not his. And it's one of the reasons I think he has the tattoo, remember Sammy Jenkins, is because that's a way of like putting those memories on another memory that he has in a way to avoid his own guilt. Yeah, because he probably doesn't want to think about the fact that he killed his wife essentially. Yeah. Not essentially, but did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's very interesting. That's a good good way of... Because I was going to say if he... If Sammy wasn't real, then like, what does the whole insurance thing come in? Like, did right. he just make up that he was an insurance guy and like all this? Like, it's kind of an elaborate story, you know? Mm. So um, that's a good, I like that take on that because I wasn't sure how I felt about it. Because there is a scene where, you know, he pinches her mm-hmm. her leg and then it kind of flicks away for a second to him actually giving her her insulin. And uh so I think that is confirmation that it is. And then he kind of gets confused after he, yeah. he like sees that memory. So I think that's one of the biggest telltale scenes of the whole movie is mm-hmm. it shows us like we saw the pinch earlier in a flashback of his. And then we see first the insulin shot and then we see the pinch afterwards, almost as if we just watched him cover it up in his own brain. Like he yeah. saw the reality first and then was like, oh, no, that's not what happened. And then through the conditioning, replaced it with the the pinch memory instead. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of interpreting that. But then the question comes up, if his long-term memory is to be trusted, how does he not remember his wife is diabetic? Mm, that's true. <laughs> Maybe he's just always had this memory problem <laughs> and he's made up these these other stories as lies it's all a farce <laughs> and it's all just repetitive who knows i mean i think i think it's it has to do with the fact that he has done everything within his power to replace or transpose those memories from his life to sammy's life just to avoid all the guilt and if that means forgetting essentially that his wife was diabetic as well he did that because 
like Teddy said, and whether or not we can believe Teddy, who knows, Teddy said Sammy didn't have a wife. So he created another character so that uh, Sammy's wife existed. So he could fit it into his reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Hmm. That totally makes sense. <laughs> uh, I, I loved a couple scenes in the movie um, I found particularly funny with. One was when he accidentally knocks out the guy uh, when he's going to find Dodd's room. And he just had the note upside down. He like kicks a door in. Oh, yeah. And knocks a dude out. And it's just like, oops, sorry. I had yeah, this upside sorry. down. It's a six, not a nine. <laughs> yeah. He just kind of shuts the door and walks away. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah. That's a good scene. Imagine that was like, was that in there just kind of as like comedic relief? Or I think, think a little bit. Actually, yeah. Yeah. I think it was just like a oops. This guy's life is chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're a mess, Lenny. Pull it together. Yeah. <laughs> the other one I thought was really funny was when he was in. I don't know if it's it's more funny or sad when he's sitting in Dodd's bathroom in the hotel and he wakes up with the the bottle in his hand. He's like, I don't feel drunk. Mm-hmm. And he's he just sees that he's in a hotel bathroom. He's like, guess I'll take a shower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing the danger he's in. Yeah. Any moment. I was cringing so hard when he's like just in there and the guy comes in. He mm-hmm. just like starts fighting him naked. Yeah. <laughs> naked and wet. Poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's the way to go out too, right? Yeah. Just have a man yeah. in your shower just jump out naked and beat you up. <laughs> what Whatever ends up happening with him? He with just Dodd? Yeah. They tell him to leave town, right? I think so. Yeah. Because at one point, yeah, you have him tied up in the closet. Yeah, and they basically get him to leave town. Yeah, okay. I guess that's not that significant, just that he's gone. Yeah. And they didn't kill him. Uh, As far as Teddy goes, he's interesting because he starts off looking really shady. And I thought the casting of Joe Pantoliano was really good here because he's generally like a shady, creepy guy in a lot of movies. So we already are like, oh, it's that shady guy. Yeah, especially with that mustache. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then as it kind of goes on, we we find out that he's a cop, even though he's a crooked cop. And yes, he's been manipulating Leonard, but also maybe doing him a favor at the same time because mm-hmm. he's giving him purpose. Yeah. And he says that he was the one there that helped him to find the real killer mm-hmm. and like help him actually kill him. So it's you feel i still don't know that i fully trust teddy at the end of the movie and i don't think you're supposed to yeah it um he feels strange and there's that you know that scene at the end where he's explaining everything and it does feel very open and honest and you know because he says i'm a i'm a john g you know Mm -hmm. so it does feel like he's explaining the movie i guess but you still don't fully I still don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. And him just randomly being at the hotels sometimes and like popping into his car randomly. It's like. It's basically like he's just tailing him everywhere. Yeah. Feels wrong still. Mm. Yeah. Leonard is very much his like tool to accomplish mm-hmm. whatever he needs to. Yeah. I read somewhere online that um, some people actually think that Teddy was the second attacker. I heard that too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if I totally buy that theory. Yeah, because I thought it was interesting because, you know, he 
he's like, I want to set this guy off my trail. So he doesn't think it's me. Mm-hmm. And in the hopes that he will think that he killed the one guy and that there's only one. And then like, you know, in the end, there's justice because he actually dies. Yeah. So that's a uh, kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. <laughs> one way to look at it, I guess. It's true. <laughs> Because they do kind of focus on the second attacker. They they do. But they never really bring conclusion to that story. So Yeah, we don't like we have to trust Teddy in that moment that he actually got the real John G mm-hmm. at a certain point and then what Teddy says is true. I believe most, if not all, of what Teddy says at the end, uh, because I feel like at that point he doesn't have a lot of reason to lie. Like he doesn't That's feel true. necessarily in a ton of danger. I don't think. Mm-hmm. And he looks so pathetic, like trying to find his keys and stuff. Like yeah. I do think there's a, you know, you do feel bad for him yeah. a little bit. So to talk about Natalie for a moment, she's kind of the reverse of Teddy as far as presentationally. Like she starts off looking like this helpless woman that Leonard's helping out. Uh, but then we find out she's been manipulating him to deal with Dodd. Like as soon as she gets the tip off that Leonard shows up in jimmy's car with jimmy's clothes and but then she ultimately comes around i think by the end of it because she's tracking down the license plate and everything once she finds out his condition sees all the tattoos all the work he's been putting into this and just she kind of feels the sympathy she doesn't know that he's the one that killed jimmy she never finds that out she just assumes that jimmy's gone somehow right well it's probably I'd imagine she would think because he's wearing his suit, right? Most likely. So, yeah, you would think she would know. But it's also like, I, f- I think she does feel pity for him mm-hmm. because, you know, they start sleeping together. And I feel like she wouldn't need to do that. Um, I mean, maybe that's not pity, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you wouldn't need to do that to gain someone's trust mm-hmm. or build a relationship with them because he would never remember. Right. So I do think that she really does eventually come to care for him. But that's after she gets him to hit her, right? Oh, yeah. That's after a lot of stuff. I feel like that's the part where I think she's really significantly trying to help him out is when she's like meeting back up with him in the restaurant later on. Oh, right. And like gives him the info with all the license plate stuff. Yeah. And that's Teddy's license plate, right? It is. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that she tracked down after seeing the tattoo on his leg, which he wrote there in the first place because he knew eventually it would lead him back to killing Teddy. Oh, yes. Comes full circle. Yes. Sly. (laughs) Oh, man. It's all so complicated. It is. It is. Uh, So I guess the last thing to talk about then is what the movie kind of all means then. If, If we're led in so many directions... If there's all these theories, I guess, what is your kind of big takeaway from it? Like, what do, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Um, I, I really don't know. Like, I, I don't know if it really has any, you know, meaning, but I feel like Nolan always, like, has kind of, like, meanings to things. He does, you know? but he also loves ambiguity. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I just, I, I love just the complexity of everything you know i i just you know we've been talking and i still don't know that i fully understand yeah so i just think it's it's really really cool again i've seen it so many times and i still 
my mind is blown. This time, actually, I hadn't seen it for quite a while. Yeah. And as I was watching it, I was like, oh my God, he's going to be, he's going to be Sammy. This is crazy. And then like, as it went on, I was like, I've seen this so many times. How did I, <laughs> how did I forget that this is the kind of what's implied? But yeah. Yeah. I even wrote it in my notes. <laughs> I was like, is Sammy Leonard, question mark? I think that's the initial theory most people jump to. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like they are setting that up in a certain way, especially when they do the flash to show him sitting in the uh, mental institution really quick. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. Um, I do have a quote from Christopher Nolan yeah. here. If you want me to, I just took this from IMDb, but... He said, I believe the answers are all there in the film, but the terms of the storytelling deliberately prevent people from finding them. If you watch the film and abandon your conventional desire for absolute truth and the confirmation of absolute truth that most films provide you with, then you can find all the answers you're looking for. As far as I'm concerned, my view is very much in the film. The answers are all there for the attentive viewer, but the terms of the storytelling prevent me from being able to give the audience absolute confirmation. And that's the point. And they thought that was such a, even that is very like, yeah, you know, what? <laughs> He's right, though. Like, that's the point. Like, we all, there's so many people that have so many interpretations of this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know who we can fully trust. And that's what Nolan's saying. Like, I can't tell you because you shouldn't trust me either. Like, I have, <laughs> I have the answer, but I don't want you to, to trust in this one line of thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I thought. That was really good. I kind of read that and was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Just tell me. <laughs> but yeah, so what do you think? I think that one, we're not meant to completely know who's telling the truth and who isn't. I think that's just a mechanic of the movie. In a way, it's not necessarily that the movie's a metaphor. It's that the movie presents the idea that memories are not fact. In the same way, like Leonard at one point says to Teddy at the uh, uh, they're out for like breakfast or something, I think. And he says something along the lines of, I can't trust my memory. I can only trust the facts. That's how investigations mm -hmm. are done. The facts are truth. But then we find out later on the facts are not truth because a lot of them were fabricated. Even the ones that he's kind of basing his entire investigation on his tattoos are lies. He tore out pages in the investigation and the file to create an unsolvable puzzle. So he's not even aware of the fact that he's created the lies that he's interpreting as truths. So memories and what is memory? What is fact? It's just questioning the reliability of everything. I think that's kind of the underlying point. Mm -hmm. And not even Leonard's long-term memory can be trusted because he's likely altered a lot of them through, uh, through conditioning. And then even just as being a human being, we all kind of adapt and change our long-term memories over time. We can't yes. trust all of our long-term memories because that's just the state of how they work. Absolutely. They change, they adapt. So, And how you interpret things change so much mm -hmm. as well, like as you go through your life. So like with him finding out these new memories, I'm sure he interprets things differently. And they do at one point really focus on conditioning. So mm. like, you know, I do think he has conditioned himself to change those to, you know, give him a happier life. Yeah. Yeah. He just continues to give himself purpose. Although you got to wonder 
what's going to happen after Teddy. Because now yes. he has fact number six tattooed on his leg, which can never be satisfied again. The license plate number. Unless another John oh. G happens to own that license plate number, which is just unlikely. That's very true. So that might be the end of the cycle. Yeah, yep. That's a good point. Hopefully it is. Hopefully. The poor guy. <laughs> so just, just keep killing <laughs> yeah, people yeah. all over the place. Yeah. <sighs> well, we did it. That's Memento. Um, <laughs> before we wrap things up, please tell people where they can find you on the internet. Oh, um, I stream full-time on Twitch. My name is Mopgarden, so twitch.tv slash Mopgarden. And uh, all my social medias, Instagram, Twitter, and everything is that as well. Easiest way to do it. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me for this episode. Again, I love this movie, and it was great to talk with you about it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this. Random Movie Club is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our podcasts and videos at thegeekgeneration.com, plus our live streams at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. Don't forget, you can support Random Movie Club by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. As always, thanks to Michael McLeod of Wolfstein Music for our theme song. A link to his site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time when we'll discuss Dragonheart. See you then.